welcome to episode three, take two equals five of Somewhere the Vulture. Today, my guest is Becca Kinsey. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, being kind enough to show up the second time. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, no worries. It happens, right? You know, technology. Definitely. This COVID world we're living in of the Zoom and hope the internet can last because if that dies, we're screwed. (laughs) Oh, can you imagine if we didn't have the internet? It would be awful. I was just thinking about it the other day because where I work at the hospital, uh, I'm pretty sure our servers for everything that we do with our patients is in another state. And I was just thinking, I was like, you know, I'm glad the internet works right now. And if it doesn't, it will be the walking dead because people will leave their houses Mm -hmm. regardless of what's going on out there. And it'll be pandemonium. Yeah. And can you imagine like, also we put so much stuff online now. Can you imagine how much of it would be gone? You know, it's not just communication, but everything from finances to putting our work on there or working with the internet. Like, Anyway, just let's just be thankful it's not that. Let's hope the cloud stays where the cloud should stay. <laughs> yes. It's good to talk to you again. The last time we, I mean, we hit a lot and hopefully uh, we can do a repeat so people can at least hear what we talked about last time. I felt like it was a really good conversation. It, but, it was really um, good. We talked about your online stuff that you have. As always, I'm going to allow you to say the name of it because I'll screw it up again. Okay. The most recent comic. Uh, Gehenna Death Valley. And Gehenna, standing for hell, I tore through every volume of it, and it fit well within the realms of hell. (laughs) Yes, I'm happy to hear that. As in hell is breaking loose. Yes. The comic had a lot of everything. One of the things that I came away with so much was how kinetic that it was. And from panel to panel, there's so many things happening, so many characters, new things being introduced. If you put yourself in the shoes of the characters... Uh, that would be a very disorienting experience, and I felt like that you expressed uh, that through your pages and your art and you know the storyline to be in a, a very subterranean place with creatures that you don't know where the hell they came from. Uh, you're losing your friends that you came along with. There's just it was just crazy, and I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you, thank you, appreciate it. It was uh, my baby, pretty much for uh, how many years? Well, it was from 2014 to this last summer, 2019. So I'm happy that it's complete, but I'm also sad that I'm not working on it currently. I really enjoy your elevator pitch about the comic. Let people hear that. Um, Basically, it's like Scooby-Doo goes to hell, except there's no dog, no mystery machine, <laughs> and the monsters are 100% real. The only thing I can't guarantee you is uh, Old Man Withers will be in the comic, but there's lots of other things going on in there. A lot of meddling kids, but not all of them make it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you have to find out and see what happens. I'll go ahead and uh, talk briefly about uh, your background, just because I know that uh, you don't want to get swallowed up in that hole, but uh, freelance artist, color flatter, which again, we will not go into look it up uh, people. You can educate yourself. From Thank the uh, Kitchener, <laughs> Kitchener Waterloo area of Ontario, Canada. Recently, I saw that I think it was Bob Sally posted that you got something coming up that uh, we didn't talk about. I wasn't aware of the last time that we talked. Yeah. So uh, the artist for that project, Tom Cooper, made some promo art for uh, something that's coming up with Source Point Press. Uh, so it's created by Bob, but uh, Bob and I have been writing it. And at the as I mentioned earlier, Tom Cooper is the artist, and it's being edited by Drina Joe. 
I think last time we talked, if we did talk about it, I may have said her name wrong. So Drina, if you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember when I saw that, uh, you know, the, uh, the art, I believe you even posted, uh, maybe something on your cover photo or something like that online on social media. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, I hadn't remembered that we talked about that. So I'm, I'm glad that we're getting a chance to talk about it again. Anything yeah. you can tell us about that as far as content type story, genre, anything like that? Um, I can't say too, too much, but I'm happy to talk about it some more. Finally. Um, the one thing I'm not certain is when it will come out. So I'll say sometime later this year, but yeah, the project is moving forward. Um, the writing's almost done and, um, Tom's almost done inking issue one and it looks great. And the genre, well, there's lots of demons and there's succubus and <laughs> it involves the seal of Solomon. It is coming back to me. We did talk about it. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, do, I, I do remember. Okay. I mean, how, how often do you hear the word succubus these days? So I'm really, really excited about this project and everyone on, on this team is killing it. So that's awesome. I still haven't got a hold of the ogre stuff from Bob and Sean. I actually uh, spoke with Easton Daverna last night. Oh, yeah. Um, the crew from SourcePoint has really been approachable. A lot of guys and gals coming out of that publisher that I really appreciate. So um, mm-hmm. hopefully I can continue down the line and talk to more people. Um, definitely enjoying the work that's coming out of there. And the folks all seem to be really cool. You know, Sean is the one who put that on the map for me and also led me to you. So it's been really cool. Yeah, Sean's a cool guy. Like all everyone, there's so many talented people at SourcePoint Press. And um, I'm also impressed with how things have been handled since everything's happened. Like last time we talked, COVID hadn't really taken off as it has. Um, yeah, we hadn't got slammed with it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they've been great. They've been pumping out live auctions weekly. Um, still getting comics out there. Um, in a time of uncertainty, I'm just impressed with the leadership going on and how proactive people have been at SourcePoint. Well, I mean, that's extremely encouraging, I'm sure, for people yes. not to fold under pressure and to take it seriously that, I mean, it's an independent publisher and you guys probably wear a lot of different hats in the in the different projects that you do. So it's good that, uh, you know, they've stepped up and are pushing forward. Uh, yes. I'm sure that's uh, encouraging. Yes, there's definitely a pushing forward vibe going on. Like there's being realistic with the situation, but again, just mm-hmm. looking ahead um, is what is admirable, like from watching from a distance and like, you know, there's only, you know, so much one can do, but when you're in a time of uncertainty and you're like, what's going to happen this year, you know, at least, you know, when right. someone can just be like, okay, this is what's happening, but this is what we can do right now. And this is how we can move forward and think outside of the box. Coming from the work that I read of yours that is creator owned, is this the first time that you've been heavily involved with simply co-writing? Uh, yes, this is the first project I've been involved in co-writing so that's exciting um it's like wow it's something that i'm not making up completely by myself so <laughs> you know it's just when you're making stuff by yourself there's always this you know you're you be as confident as you can be right but there's this uncertainty like oh man i don't know if this sucks or not and you don't know until you literally have your books in print and you go to a show or and sell them or you post the pages online and wait and see what happens and it's you know, if it does suck, it's like, well, I can learn from it. 
but <laughs> but no, this experience with the Beholden was the name of the comic. I think I mentioned it, maybe not. Anyway, with Bob and company and working with an editor for the first time, it's been a great experience. And I'm like, why didn't I do this a long time ago? You know, just have someone else look over my work. And it, it's just the process moves so much faster compared to doing it by yourself. Even if it's just something as simple as writing, like um, just having another set of eyes is so beneficial. So how did this collaboration kind of happen? What were the ins and outs of you and Bob coming together? Um, I met Bob through uh, J.M. Clark, who also runs a podcast, uh, An Elegant Weapon. And we met at one of his um, drinking soiree event thing. Or so. Basically, we went to a bar. Okay. So, <laughs> and uh, met Bob there through Jay. And um, he was looking for a female creator, uh, just to get a female perspective on uh, a couple of the characters. And I'm like, I'm in. And when he um, Bob pitched the story and had the, the topic, and I was like, yeah, I can do this. So... We just set it off pretty good. And I think like last time we talked, I told you about the story, you know, based on our backgrounds of um, coming from strict conservative backgrounds and oh, yeah, trying yeah. to figure we, out our way around the how neither the world. one of us yeah, neither one of us were uh, steeped in uh, <laughs> the traditions of people that lived on the other side of the track. So uh, it was a very steep learning curve for both of us, I think. Yeah. And so um, Bob and I are talking and Bob's like, I'll get you something to drink. What do you want? And I, me, I'm like, oh, like I, I only know of like, basically I know there's beer. I know there's wine, anything else like cocktails and that. I have no clue. Okay. So <laughs> I'm um, aware I, that there's liquor and people mix stuff in it, but I, I don't yeah. know exactly how that works. Exa right. Right. So I, all I knew, uh, you know, based on what I've tried so far is that I like, Booze, boozy coffee so on the menu there was a boozy coffee drink and I'm like I'll take that just because I had a vague idea of what it was and Bob he was he was nice or polite about it but I could tell he was kind of thinking that's odd and I'm thinking I, I guess maybe he thought it wasn't beer or something but then I got the drink served to me and it was this it was in a like an ice cream type of cup and do you want the cream with this and I'm like Are you sure <laughs> You know, like, oh, okay. But then I'm just like, just go with it. Pretend that was what you were going to order. <laughs> so. Oh, you know what that reminds me of? Have you ever seen the movie Zodiac? Yes, I have. Do you remember when Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal sit down and he, I think he orders a drink called an Aqua Velva. And he's like, I can't ignore this any longer. What is that? <laughs> if there's anything I learned in this industry, it's like, if something doesn't, happen the way you wanted to just pretend that yeah it was intentional you know oh, oh yeah these are my favorite you guys never had one <laughs> <laughs> but oh that's that's one of the my favorite things about the last time we got to talk is just a plethora of awkward situations you know you kind of get into and you're like oh man i have no point of reference for this but i'm gonna <laughs> give it my best shot yeah we were both raised in this conservative way but if you go to your website, there's a lot of horrific genre. When did you make that leap into that world of horror? Um, I think it was just a slow, natural progression when I was a kid. Well, first off, um, growing up, you know, with my parents, they meant well, completely. So I do not hold it against them at all. 
But I grew up in a household where Halloween was banned. So basically, I grew up within the leftovers of of whatever was left of the Satanic Panic era. Right. Uh, so yeah, anything like horror and anything involved with Satan, demons, and Halloween was banned. Um, even at uh, the church uh, my parents go to, they had instead of Halloween parties, they had harvest parties. So I remember being a kid yeah. going, you know, some big gymnasium in a church, and you know, you get the candy and that, but no one be dressed up. And I, I was like, what kind of party is this? You know, just confused. <laughs> One of the cringe memories I have is that there was always this puppet show. And this was also a time when um, Ghostbusters was popular. So Ghostbusters would be playing, but it wasn't the Ghostbusters song. It was the Christian version of the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Look it up when you have, when you can, but the lyrics are so cheesy. I think instead of Ghostbusters, it was Sin Buster. Sin Buster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, mm-hmm. that was, a, you know what? I have, That's hilarious because... You know, they're serious as a heart attack, but it it comes off as parody. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes off as like a Christian Weird Al version of things. Like all the, yeah. the T-shirts that rip off instead of play hard, pray hard, all that type of all that type of stuff. That is, you know, you said Harvest Party. We had fall festivals. It sounds derogatory, but in a way, it is still endeared to me that I, I say Hillbilly Baptist is how I grew up. Uh, <laughs> they have uh, not trick or treat because obviously we can't be tricking people but it's called trunk or treat the churches will have people in the congregation will pull their cars into the parking spaces of the parking lot and open up the trunks and the kids can come to the parking lot and go from trunk to trunk and get candy in and dress up and in the community that I live in, it's actually kind of cool because mm-hmm. if, as you're walking and trick-or-treating, there is a church that uh, does it in a parking lot. And you can actually walk through, and mm-hmm. they've got like, hot chocolate and snacks if it's cold, and you can do the trunk-or-treat and then mosey on over to the next street. and stuff. So it's, so it's kind of cool. It's definitely it, it's radical compared to growing up. <laughs> I'm kind of envious now because like, you just said that you, you guys could dress up, right, during these events. Yeah. We, we, could uh, see, dress we, up. we couldn't dress up i don't know why but anyway yours version sounds so much better than <laughs> I, I dressed up all the time as a kid though i don't understand why that particular day that it, uh, it meant we were joining in in some type of evil <laughs> appreciation for uh the darkness or something i don't know it's crazy you know it's what's so funny is my kids are uh soon to be 11 and 8 they, since we have been home, have been begging me to let them play Dungeons and Dragons because oh, yeah. of, of of Stranger Things. So uh, slowly but surely, we have built a, a little library of books. And they, uh, uh, Jim Zub, which is actually a comic book writer, uh, wrote some like kids versions of the manuals, and I got those for him. And they got dice, and they it's uh, mm-hmm. we're going to probably start next week start a game that's so much different than than my childhood i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of jealous yeah and like dungeons and dragons that was the big no-no back when we were kids like yeah. it was of oh, the devil apparently and now it's it's like oh this is really awesome role-playing game you know um, well, so what's so crazy is that the father of fantasy you know J.R. tolkien mm-hmm. and his best friend C.S. Lewis, who wrote oodles and oodles. I mean, he wrote mere Christianity, you mm-hmm. know, that all of those things that they got through into uh, the satanic panic still to this day just boggles my mind. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, 
I don't know, like Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite books and movies ever. And yeah, something like Dungeons and Dragons and all that stuff was not okay back then. Like, I, I don't get it. But um, to segue into it, so even though stuff like that was banned in our house, I grew up loving weird stuff. I, guess, I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons, like lots of them. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I was always drawn to sci-fi, fantasy um, type of stuff, as well as stuff like Garfield and whatever. But as I got older... Everybody loves Garfield. Oh, Garfield. Like, that the show back then, I, I still love it oh, oh, <laughs> to God. this day. But um, as I got older and got into, like, the cartoons that were playing, like, the 90s X-Men and the 90s Spider-Man, and, and through there I got into anime, and then through there I got into... I was already reading newspaper strips, and then I, like, Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield and whatever. Um, and then I graduated to manga and uh, some comic books. There was a comic book shop within walking distance of my high school. Uh, and through there, I slowly got into horror. And oh yeah, there was also a movie store I would go to a lot. And they had they always had a great anime section and also a really impressive looking horror section. Now, as a kid, I'm all, I was, or no, I'm still like this to this day, but I'm always drawn to great artwork. And the horror section always had even though it was scary, the artwork would what draw me into looking oh, at that oh, section. Yeah. You know, it just it was this thing that was forbidden, and you're like, "What is it like?" One you of know? my favorite covers for a movie that I don't even think I was supposed to watch was The Gate, and oh. it had that really cool cover of you know the thing looking through the cracks where the you know the name itself, the logo was you know the crack in the ground from the gate, and I was like, "Man, that is awesome!" Yeah, yeah. What what is the other other covers I love? I've always loved the cover for The Exorcist. You know, it's just this, oh yeah, like when I was twelve and there was a kid in my class who watched that movie every single day and it was her favorite movie of all time. But just looking at the cover of this thing that was supposed to be the scariest movie ever, but you know, and the cover just had so much mystery behind it. It was just even though you knew what was in the movie, it was like it was a cover. I personally I can't look away from it. And it, it was just this eerie creepiness to it. This name looks like two or three of your faves. Okay, so one of them obviously is The Exorcist. Um, to this day, it's still one of my favorites. Um, what else? There's so many. Uh, I love The Descent. And then another one, a recent one, that's it's called The Devil's Candy. It's an indie film, but it's so the good. The Devil's Candy. The Devil's check Candy. That out. Yeah, you definitely have to check it out. It is. It is one of my fa- recent favorites. I think the movie that made the biggest impact on me because I watched it when I was young and I'm fairly sure I wasn't supposed to it was Poltergeist. Oh yeah, that, that movie messed with my head and even the sequels. Uh, but the the old man Kane from that early series and mm-hmm. oh yeah, just it just freaked me out and. It definitely uh, warped my brain at some, you know, at that point because I think it came out like '82, and I was born in '80, so I, I think I watched it when I was five, and I probably oh, surely should, shouldn't have watched it that young. You know, I watched uh, ET, but when you're that little, ET's pretty rough. Actually, I, I, after jogging my memory as a kid, I remember the things that led me to horror eventually. So it started with an obsession with Alfred Hitchcock movies. Um, and I can't believe I didn't mention this movie because this one is one of my absolute favorites of all time. Psycho. 
I love. Oh, yeah. Psycho. And then other things that led me to horror was anime. So, like, my friends and I, we'd watch stuff like Helsing. Got into stuff like Vampire Hunter D. And I still love yes. that anime. Yeah. I absolutely... That's I, one of the very first anime films that I ever watched. Because the Sci-Fi Channel, when I was... Uh, when I was in mid teens had uh, like Saturday anime, like mm-hmm. Saturday mornings, they would show anime films. And that's, that was literally the first foray into anime that I ever went. And it was uh, vampire hunter D and then dark horse press started putting out the books. So I, mm-hmm. you know, any book that came out and I started reading and I'm really surprised that after bloodlust, that's it. Like they've not done mm-hmm. any more films. And I was like, that's a gold mine with Netflix and in all the streaming mm-hmm. services. I'm like, come on. I that's know. A, oh. And the artwork in Vampire Hunter D is just mind blowing. Oh yeah. Even in the, in the movie, it just, every frame is like, that must've taken hours to paint that. But it's so pretty to look at. Even the horrible stuff that's happening on screen is just, <laughs> can't look away from it. You know? That's awesome. With all these influences and being raised the way we were, does it ever strike you that that's where you ended up with your tastes in the stories that you wanted to tell? Well, the thing was, when I went on the path that I've gone on, I've never hit resistance at all. So that's what I, again, with my parents, they've been really cool about that. Like, there wasn't any pushback at all, especially in my teenage years when I was experimenting with different you know, different media and, you know, clothing styles and everything. It was, uh, you know, we were encouraged actually, and, and also encouraged to think, um, about the things we were taught, which I greatly appreciate, appreciate that. So it, again, the pro the process felt quite natural and it wasn't any form of rebellion at all. It was just my, my curiosity. You know, I just wanted to figure things for myself, like, why is this thing banned? And really, you know, walking away, looking at horror movies, like, oh, it's actually a cathartic genre. Oh, you know, oh yeah, it definitely. can be used as a medium. The genre can be used as an outlet or a creative outlet for people to express things they want to talk about that they can't talk about anywhere else, you know? And that's a big reason why I'm drawn to the genre. After I got old enough, and I kind of hit on this a little bit talking to Easton, my comic book years were definitely more cape and cow superhero type of stuff when I was younger. And then I had pretty much just fallen in love with fantasy. Comic books is Mm -hmm. something that I got away from. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I came back to it, I dove into things like the Vertigo series of books and got into a lot of stuff that I missed. Uh, definitely Hellblazer, John Constantine, by far my favorite character of all time. Mm-hmm. That led me back even further into Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, Mike Carey's Lucifer, and then Sandman with uh, Neil Gaiman. I had missed that whole kind of British invasion. So that's pretty much where I've spent my time as far as the big two are concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, the comics, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. The big two comics, like I have a few here, like one of my uh, favorite graphic novels, I have a, it's a classic uh, Batman and Joker story, mm-hmm. like a few here and there, but most of the comics I have 
are indie titles or uh, manga, pretty much. Like, I was always drawn to different genres, like horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Because it was just, like, for me, it was something, not that I just, I don't dislike superheroes at all, far from it. But um, I don't know, I guess I appreciate seeing a different variety of storytelling that you can find in comic books. Um, especially when I was, you know, when I went from manga to exploring indie titles like Bone, for example. Oh, yeah. And uh, finding other titles like Hellboy. So that's that's one of my favorites. But I think those comics are not to sing the superhero genre at all. But those uh, Hellboy comics and those kind of comics um, have a more special place for me than the superhero titles. Hopefully that made sense. Like, there's more stories other than, and again, not bashing the superhero genre, but there's more stories to tell outside of that well, genre. If you see someone who gets on, you know, someone of note that is a good, you know, good writer or good artist that's doing the superhero stuff, mm-hmm. they're always taking these characters and trying to reinvent them so they can tell different types of stories. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, then just, then if, don't change the story just so it ha- can be a Superman story, write right. a good story. It yeah, doesn't just, have to be Superman. Mm-hmm. Just a good story is enough to sell. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Or, or it should be. It should be mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to get on a soapbox. That's okay. <laughs> Solving no the worries. world's problems. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. I was going to add um, about the movies, you know, the superhero movies. I was just thinking like, you know, the next time we might see the next, say, Silence of the Lambs or something, it, it would your best chance of seeing it would be on streaming, not so much in the movie theater. Well, if, whatever movie theater's open again, but because people <laughs> don't come out in droves to see something that isn't a franchi- big franchise or something based on nostalgia, you know, and not slamming that idea at all. Like, it's been done for a long time. You know, remakes have been around for a long time, but... You know, just thinking about the movie The Descent, and that came out in theaters, but it would be a hard sell, I think, you know, before COVID happened, I think it would have been a hard sell uh, to release it in theaters, you know, in competition with all these comic book movies coming out, you know. Right. And like the The only people that I've really seen, the only, you know, the only people that I've really seen have success is definitely Bloomhouse and the things that they've put out is about, they've... They've proven that they can keep the budget low and they can make money. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they can do that, they make it happen. So hopefully uh, we haven't seen the last of that with, you know, obviously what's what's going on in the world. Hopefully that doesn't kill and everything just goes straight streaming. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's yet to be seen. So it's yet to be seen. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And we'll keep your fingers crossed for you because I'm definitely excited to see uh, what you guys got coming out with the succubus. We'll have to say it one last time there. <laughs> I'm excited about the Beholden. It's it's really great. And um, I'm also working on a personal project myself um, during this awesome. time. So also of the horror variety. So stay tuned for that too. I've got some pages drawn for that already. And this one, I'm like, I'm back to like square one of writing and drawing everything myself, but I'm like, maybe I should look for an editor. I don't know (laughs) because of, you know, it's very, very frustrating when you pour yourself into something and 
you like the way it came out and then it doesn't connect or land where you want it to. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. It's hard to do that editing. Uh, mm-hmm. but when you have the feedback and someone can give you that and give you that different perspective and you can combine your ideas with some outs, you know, obviously you have a voice that you trust, just not anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that, uh, will, uh, at least give you enough so you know you're effective. I mean, that's because that's what you want to be as far as a writer and an artist is to be effective. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing with the Source Point Press project is that, you know, during this whole time, I have not felt like my voice has been altered, even though I'm just, you know, I'm one, one of the writers on this project. But the editing process has been, again, it's been um, eye opening as how there's, no one's trying to be controlling at all. It's just, okay, well, here's try this, 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 an idea, idea instead. And actually there's a grammatical error. Yeah. I can't talk anymore. Okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, or, um, someone points out like, oh, there's a grammar error here and there, and, you know, it's just things like that, but not once have I felt like, you know, my voice has been changed at all. It's, well, that's awesome. It's pretty great. Keep us so, updated on The Beholden. Mm-hmm. Stay in touch. And maybe three to six months from now, life will resume normal business and we can talk again and can see the, the fruit of your labors. For sure. For sure. I'll definitely keep you posted and stay tuned. Um, I'll be posting more on the socials and on my website um, during the course of the year. And yeah, you take care, eh? Be sure to check the episode notes. You'll have all the links that you can go to to check out uh, Becca and her works and all the things that are up and coming. Thanks for your time. And uh, that's it for this episode of Somewhere the Vulture.